in the front of the book, and that's got a lot of repeats. I'm like, repeats ain't going to be good tonight, all right? Let's sing Amazing Grace. Glad you saved. Say amen. amen. All right. Charles and Aunt Richie ain't here, so y'all got to help me a little more, all right? Let's sing out. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. fellowship time. If you don't want to shake hands, you ain't got to shake hands, but at least walk around and speak to people. If you don't, don't get mad if you don't want to shake your hand, but at least walk around and speak to someone. Say hello to them. And we'll move along along, sir. We'll do the holy wave, alright? Do the wave, alright?
All right, you can make your way back to your seats. Let's have a get a couple. Brother Eric Brangle and Brother Tony Rupert, y'all come down here and grab these offering plates. Somebody might have their tithes or their face promise missions they need to put in tonight. Come on, Grayson, that'll be all right. <clears throat> and uh, we'll receive. We'll receive the offering tonight, amen. Thank you for being here, and uh, look, it's just part of it, you know, you know, sickness, and uh, if 2020 had never happened, you know, nobody would think nothing of it, but that's just where we're at now, but uh, let's just, you know, ain't nothing you can do, but just go on, so uh, that's what we're going to do by the grace of God. Uh, do pray, especially for little Olive, and uh, she's doing a little bit better, and uh, but still, still not a hundred percent and so you do remember her in prayer and of course we're concerned about everybody especially these little ones uh, with the rsv things of that nature we certainly want to uh, pray for them that god would uh, touch and help them and that god would uh, help mom and daddy because i know their nerves are on edge as any parent would be and just pray god uh, would help them judah is she's doing fine we took her to the doctor month or grace took her to the doctor money she don't have uh almost said esv she don't have esv either she don't have RSV. Uh, they, they, believe it or not, a doctor actually looks at her and said, "You have a." She has a cold. I'm like, I didn't think they existed anymore. <laughs> I thought, I thought COVID done away with colds. Uh, so what? Huh? And Bigfoot. I can't hear you. Uh, who won the MVP this year? <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> What's he saying? What's the MVP? What's that got to do with? Oh, okay. First, brother Eric. <laughs> Apparently, it's uh, finally getting to him. <laughs> so <laughs> I really didn't know what you were saying. So, I forgot. Anyway, so pray for yeah. Call, call somebody. <laughs> so uh, do pray. Do pray for all these that are sick. And uh, I'm not sick. I just sound like it. I actually feel better than what I did Sunday. And uh, so you uh, just pray for everybody with these head colds, things of that nature. And uh, looking for the Lord's Day on Sunday. Looking for what God has for us. Of course, we won't have the Tuesday night fellowship. We won't have anything next week. Then the following Sunday, Brother Larry Wells will be here preaching. He's preached the Sunday after Thanksgiving for us the last two or three years. And then ladies that are here tonight... Go ahead and mark this on your calendar. Tuesday, December 27th is when the ladies' Christmas party is going to be. Grace is going to do it after Christmas. Uh, that way we're not hitting on anybody's family night or, or work party or anything like that. So Tuesday night, December 27th, will be the ladies' uh, Christmas party. And I'm, I don't know where – she talked about having it at Olive Garden, so I'm not sure. Either there or McDonald's. Those were one of the two restaurants she was talking about doing. So, Man. Rough crowd. You know, you don't realize when Richie's not here how much he contributes. He laughs at everything. So, but I'm not sure what time. I say either McDonald's or Olive Garden. I wasn't sure which one yet. <laughs> one of those two Italian restaurants. <laughs> so, uh, so, but get that date down and she'll have you some more information, okay? Father, I pray, God, that you would bless the offering tonight. Well, bless the gift and the giver. Be with those that are sick or not, not able to be here. Lord, I pray, God, that you would be with these little ones especially. Uh, Lord, that you would uh, keep your hand upon them and keep them safe. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, man.
Let's sing one more song, Brother Caden. Get your hymn book out. And uh, let's turn, let's see here. Let's do, um, let's do Sweet Hour of Prayer. I think that's 81. No, it's not 81. 81 is just as I am. 71? 71, all right. Let's sing Sweet Hour of Prayer, and then we'll go ahead and get into the Word of God. And then we'll, in the Red Book, 71 in the Red Book. Let's sing Sweet Hour of Prayer. Well, I'll let you keep your seat, but uh, let's sing it out. You want me to leave or you want me to You know? Yeah. Page 71 in that red book, Sweet Hour of Prayer. Sweet Hour of Prayer, Sweet Hour of Prayer, That calls me from of care and bids me at my father's throne make all my wants and wishes known in seasons of distress and grief my soul has often found Relief and oft escape the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. On the last verse now, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, may I. I consolation share till from Mount Pisgah's lofty height I view my home and take this robe of flesh, this robe of flesh I'll drop and rise. To seize the everlasting prize and shout while passing through the air. Farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. Amen. Thank God for that good old hymn. Amen. I'm glad we have a God. Uh, that we can go to, and he'll hear us when we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and get in the Word of God tonight, and then when we get done preaching, we'll have an altar of prayer uh, to close out the service. So if you will, take the Word of God, please, and find the book of Esther, chapter number 3. Thank you, Brother Matthew, for your help on the piano. I appreciate Brother Matthew, uh, all he does to help us here, and uh, Miss Spree and little Abigail. I appreciate this family. appreciate all of our families, but I really appreciate... Uh, how God's used him to be a help to me personally uh, by playing the piano, and then God sent us Miss Linda as well. And I pray for one piano player, and God sent us two, amen. And uh, so I, I'm grateful for that, and uh, I uh, thank the Lord for uh, what he's done for us. It's hard to believe we're already uh, in the middle of the month of November and uh, how the year has flown by, but I'm so grateful uh, for the Lord's blessings and kindness to us, amen. So Esther chapter number 3, and uh, am I here, brother? Okay, thank you so much, Brother Rob. Esther chapter number 3, 
We have been taking these Wednesday nights and preaching through the little book of Esther. And uh, we've been uh, doing it a little bit different than my normal style. Instead of outlining, going point one, point two, we've just kind of been doing a running commentary and telling the story of the book of Esther. I was talking to a friend of mine. Most of the time in the book of Esther, here's what you hear preached. God has brought the verses, uh, and who knoweth, chapter 4, whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And a friend of mine said, you ought to call your series, uh, Esther is more than such a time as this. There's a whole lot more to it than that one verse. In fact, there are ten chapters of a lot of truth here. And uh, so I'm interested in, in this book. You know, we are commanded uh, to believe every word of this Bible and uh, that's why it's important to preach through it as much as we can. And so we're going to do that tonight. We've been looking at this little thought here in the book of Esther entitled, The God Who Works Behind the Scenes. The reason we've entitled it this is because the book of Esther is one of two books in our Bible where God's name does not appear. Of course, the other being the Song of Solomon. And even though we do not see God's name mentioned, we certainly see his hand at work. And the thought that God has put in my heart to share with our congregation is sometimes you can't always see the Lord working in your life. Sometimes you can't always detect what he's doing. Uh, but rest assured, God is behind the scenes. And God is doing a work even when things are darkest, even when things look most difficult, even as we will see in our text tonight, when things look as bad as they possibly can get, there is a God who is working behind the scenes. Amen. And so let's pick up in verse number 1. The Bible says, After these things did Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamathadad, the Agai, and advanced him, and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. Now, this little phrase in verse number 1, After these things will refer us back to the things that happen in chapter number 2. And here's what you got to realize. Just because chapter 2 and verse 23 ends and chapter 3 verse 1 begins, there are five. there is a five-year gap between these two verses. Five years, Esther has been in the palace as queen for some five years after this text. And we recall that Esther was chosen to be queen uh, through a series of wicked events she had no choice. She was just alone for the ride because she was called and summoned by the king. And she was chosen to be the next queen. How God worked through that situation. It was true the hand of God that allowed this little orphan Jewish girl to become the queen over the land of Persia there in Shushan, the palace. Now five years has passed and in our verse tells us that King Ahasuerus has promoted a man by the name of Haman. A friend of mine preached out of this text on a Hitler named Haman. Because truly, Haman resembles Adolf Hitler. Haman had one desire and one goal, and that was to annihilate and to destroy the Jew. Ain't it amazing how through history the Jew has been persecuted 
more than any other race in human history. You think about the bondage there in Egypt, how Pharaoh put those taskmasters over them, how they were in bondage and how they were held captive. And then the Babylonian captivity, and then here Haman. Even now in our modern history, you have uh, the Adolf Hitlers of the world, and then you had even the Islam and Muslim, how they hate the Jew and ISIS. They're all, and that's even going to lead to the Antichrist during the tribulation period. Why does the world hate the Jew so much? It's because of who loves the Jew is why they hate the Jew. It's because God chose Abraham. The Jew did not choose God, but God chose the Jew. And God blessed them. So Haman comes on the scene. Now Haman's an interesting man. He is hated in Israel to this day. In fact, in some of the Orthodox Jews synagogues, when they read through the Torah, when they read through the Old Testament and they get to Haman's name, even it is said to this day that the people will boo when they get to Haman's name. They will stomp their feet and say, down with Haman. Years after, they still hate this man, Haman. Very wicked man. It's interesting to note his pedigree. The Bible tells us he is an an agite or an agite, if you would. That tells us he was an Amalekite. The Amalekites were the descendants of of Esau over there in Genesis chapter number 36. Of course, Esau is a type and a picture of the flesh. We remember, according to Deuteronomy chapter 25, that God did not care for the Amalekites. In fact, in Deuteronomy 25, God told them that when when he had given them rest from all their enemies in the land of Canaan, that they were to blot out the remembrance of Amalek. In other words, they were to go to Amalek and kill all the Amalekites that were living there. God did not think much of them because of how they treated Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. There in Exodus chapter number 17. But Israel did not obey God. They did not annihilate the Amalekites. And so, 1 Samuel chapter 15, Saul is king. And God gives a message to King Saul through the prophet Samuel that he is to go to Amalek and he is to kill every man, woman, boy, and girl, all the cattle, everything. Don't say anything, kill it all. But you know the story. Saul did not do that. Saul spared a man by the name of King Agag. And because he spared a man by the name of King Agag, Agag fathered some children. Haman is one of the great grandsons of King Agag. And it's interesting, what you don't deal with today, your children might have to deal with one day. Saul did not deal, he did not obey God, he did not follow the commandment of the Lord. And because of that, generations on down the line suffered greatly. Haman would have never existed had Saul obeyed God. May I ask you a question that you may ponder in your own heart? What will exist years from now in your family's life that you're not dealing with today? We find verse number 2. The Bible said, And all the king's servants that were in the king's gates bowed and reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. All were bowing and giving reverence and honor and worship to Haman, except for this one fella. 
This one fellow, and he happened to be Mordecai. Now, here's what's interesting. Bowing was not prohibited. It was a cultural thing. Abraham bowed to the courtesy of others in Genesis 18 and 23. Jacob bowed before his elder brother Esau in Genesis 33. Joseph did not stop his brothers from bowing before them when they came to Egypt. It was a cultural thing. It was a sign of respect. But what Haman was demanding in our text was worship. And even though Mordecai was far from Israel, even though he was far from Jerusalem, he still knew, Thou shalt have no other gods before thee. And Mordecai would not bow to Haman. Now what's interesting is, you remember that I've told you that, that Saul, uh, excuse me, that Haman was the descendant of Agag? Well, you know who Mordecai is a descendant of? He's a descendant of the sons of Kish of the tribe of Benjamin. The same family and the same tribe that King Saul was a part of. Do you see the picture? 1 Samuel 15, you got Saul and Agag. Esther chapter 3, you've got Mordecai and Haman. Their grandsons are meeting in opposition once again several hundred years later. But thank God Mordecai would not bow. Can I say this? Even though Haman can be a type of the devil, he can be a type of the flesh, you don't have to bow down to that. Even though everybody else was bowing down, Mordecai would not bow, but he stood firm against Haman. Verse number 3, Then the king's servants which were in the king's gate said unto Mordecai, While transgressest thou the king against the king, uh, while transgressest thou the king's commandment? Now it came to pass when they spoke daily unto him, he hearkened not unto them that were told to, that told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. Everybody sees Mordecai standing and not bowing to Haman. And all the servants are bothered. They said, Mordecai, why don't you bow? And notice in the text, they asked him daily. Meaning that it wasn't just one day that he didn't bow. But he was consistent with his convictions. Oh, may God give us some people. And may God help you and I as believers to be consistent in our convictions. In other words, we stand for truth today, and we stand for truth tomorrow, and we stand for truth the next day. We're not wishy-washy. We're not back and forth. We're not that double-minded man who's unstable in all of his ways. But rather, Mordecai was consistent in his stand against sin. We find here in verse number 5 and 6, and when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. And he thought to scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that throughout the whole kingdom of, Har of Harassus and, 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 and even the people of Mordecai. What's going on in this text is Haman recognizes Mordecai not bowing to him and he becomes filled with anger, especially when he finds out he's a Jew. Haman is a very anti-Semitic man. He hates the Jews. He's a very, very, very uh, hateful towards them. And he couldn't stand the fact that someone had the backbone to stand up to him, literally. But he couldn't stand the fact that, that man was a Semite, a Jew. A Hebrew, a man who is a captive in our land, and he's not bowing down to me. You know why Haman hated Mordecai? Not because of what he did, but because of who he was. I'm going to tell you, the world tonight, they don't hate us because of what we do. They hate us because of who we are. 
Here's what Jesus said in John 15. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. And then John tells us in 1 John 5, 13, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. It shouldn't shock us when the world does not approve of our stand and our convictions. Haman feared Mordecai's stand because he feared that because Mordecai stood, others would stand. And by the way, if one person will stand, it'll help influence somebody else to stand for right. Verse number 7, we're moving along. In the first month, that is the month Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they put pure, that is the lot before Haman, from day to day and from month to month for the, to the twelfth month, that is the month Adar. As far as I can tell from this verse, Haman is consulting enchantments and wizards and casting lots. The reason he's doing this, Warren Wearsby said he's trying to make a deal with the devil. He's trying to figure out what day to annihilate the Jews. And, and it failed. Here's what's interesting. Don't miss this now. It failed that Haman would annihilate the Jews one year from that day. Now, they're casting lots. It's enchantment. It's satanic is what it is. And God allows it to give them a one-year delay on that judgment. So I said, preacher, what's the big deal? Do you not see the hand of God in that? That lot could have failed for Haman to destroy the Jews that very day. But God allowed it to be pushed out for one year. Why? So it would give Mordecai and Esther time to plan and to prepare and to prevent the intentions of Haman. No, you don't see God in verse number 7. You don't see God's name, but you see God work. Amen. You see God working on behalf of the Jews. He is looking out for them. Haman thought, wow, what a coincidence. One year from the day, we'll kill them all. He wasn't happy with that, but he believed that's what he was supposed to do. But I'll tell you what, there was an unseen hand and it wasn't satanic but it was God working on behalf giving his people time to plan and to prepare to prevent this action from happening I'm not a Calvinist tonight I'm a Christian Billy Mitchell said you can't be a Calvinist and a Christian but here's what I do believe I do believe in the sovereignty of God and I do believe in the providence of God. And God's so sovereign and God's so big, He can work in the affairs of men. He can make the sun stay back if it needs to stay back. He can make the waters part if they need to part. He can take five loaves and two fishes and feed the multitudes. You don't have to be a Calvinist to believe in that, but you got to be a Christian to believe in that. That God is in control. And I'm telling you, I know, I, I thank God the Republicans got the House and Nancy Pelosi's in the unemployment line. Somebody say amen right there. But I, I will say this, even though that might have went our way, things are still wicked. Things are still bad. And it doesn't look like God's doing anything. But I tell you, God is working behind the scenes. And you may not know it, and you may not understand it, and you may not comprehend it, but standing somewhere in the shadows, there's a God looking out for his people. Amen, that's right. Look at verse number 8 in our text. And Haman said to King Ahasuerus, 
there is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore, it is not for the king's prophet to suffer them. He said, King, there's a group of people living in your town, and their law is different from our law. What they live their life by is different than what we live our life by. It was Moses' laws he's referring to. And you know what his problem was? You know what separated the Jew from the Persians? It was that they live by a different law. And I want to remind you what makes us different from the world is we don't live by our feelings and we don't live by how we go uh, uh, on a fling or on a flim or anything like that. But we live by faith in the Word of God tonight. Not sets us apart, and that makes us different. Verse number 9, if it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have charge of the business to bring into the king's treasury. He wants to kill these Jews. And so to kind of put icing on the cake to try to convince the, the king, he said, and I'll give 10,000 talents, that's several million dollars to the king's treasury. Well, King Ahasuerus has just come back from a defeat trying to take over Greece. His treasuries are depleted. So here's the money, and he said, yeah, I'll go for that. Haman shows us how far anger and hatred can take someone. Verse number 10, And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamagath the Agai, the Jew's enemy. And the king said unto Haman, The silver is given to thee, the people also to do with them as seemeth good to thee. The king liked what he heard, and him giving him that ring was equivalent to when the prodigal father gave that ring to his son. It was so allowed him to do business on his behalf. Haman has every earthly means he needs to fulfill his wicked desire to destroy the Jew. Verse 12, then were the king's scribes. Now these scribes, these were people that were employed to copy out documents, especially one employed to do, uh, to do this before printing was invented. They would write out laws. So these scribes on the 13th day of the first month, and they were written according to all that Haman had commanded to the king's lieutenants and to the governors that were over every province and to the rulers of every people of every province according to the writing thereof to every language, to every people after their language in the name of King Ahasuerus was written and sealed it with the king's ring. These posts mentioned, uh, uh, verse, excuse me, verse 13 in the letters, I had one more verse to read, and the letters were sent by the post and all the king's provinces to destroy and to kill and to cause to perish all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women in one day, even upon the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month Adar, to take of uh, them the spoil for the prey. These posts were their little posts, office, if you would. They're postmasters. They'd be men. They'd be given these documents that the scribes read out and wrote out in every language, and they would ride, and they would go into town, and, they, and like you've seen in the old movies, somebody would stand, a herald would stand in the middle of the city and say, hear ye, hear ye what saith the king, and then they would nail that post, on that, that writing on to a literal post in the middle of the city, so people could come by and read what the king had said. So every language, every tongue, here's what they found, here's what they heard. In one year from today, every Jew, watch it now, every man and woman, every boy and girl, not just the adults, but even the children, would be killed. Can you imagine the terror that gripped the heart of those Jews when they read that? 
Here they are already in a foreign land. They don't know anybody. They are uh, getting accustomed to the culture a little bit. Now they've maybe settled in a little bit because Persia wasn't as hard as Babylon was on the Jews. And now words come in, you're all going to die. And not just you are going to die, but we're going to kill your children too. This was not just some little meaningless threat that Haman threw out. He had the means and he had the authority of the king's reign to fulfill it. Verse 14, the copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published. And all people, they should be ready against that day. In other words, and I hope you notice this in verse 13, all those Jews are going to be killed in one day. You talk about a major slaughter. And here's what's going to happen. They were going to be slaughtered. And then those that killed them would take their property and their possessions. Just like the, uh, the Nazis did. When they come in, they would come in and kill those Jews, put them in those boxcars, put them in those gas chambers, kill them, burn their bodies, then take their possessions, take their money, take their land. Wicked, wicked, wicked. Verse 15, the post went out, being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan the palace, and the king and Haman set down the drink. But the city of Shushan was perplexed. In these verses tonight, as we conclude, the posts go out one year, one year from today, all the Jews are going to die and all their children. And watch what Haman and the king does. I'm talking about wicked men. Such a notice has went out. And what do they do? They go back to their alcohol. And they sit down and begin to drink while millions are getting ready to die. That's sorry, ain't it? They, all they cared about was making their flesh comfortable. They didn't care about the millions that were fixing to die. But can I turn that coin around? Millions are dying without God all around us. And sadly, many times we as believers are focused on our comfort. Focus on comforting ourselves. May God help us to have a burden for those that are dying without God. In closing tonight, let me give you three practical lessons we learned out of this chapter. Here's the first thing I learned out of this chapter. You can stand against what's held your family down for years. Remember Mordecai? He's the son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, just like Saul. And Haman is the tribe of Agag and Amalekite. And Saul bowed down to Agag and would not kill him. But you know what Mordecai did? Mordecai said, I'm tired of this ruling over my family. And I'm tired of everybody in my family bowing down to Amalekai. I'm not going to bow. Hey, you can get victory. Somebody said, well, I don't know. I've got generational sin. People say, my daddy was a drunk, so I'll be a drunk. My mama was a drunk, so I'll be a drunk. I'm just cursed. No, I'm telling you, aren't you glad Calvary can reverse the curse? If you'll stand against that, if you'll come to Jesus, even after you're saved. Well, my daddy was like this. My mama was like this. I'm bound to turn out like this. No, you don't have to bow to that sin. You can be more than a conqueror. You can have victory. You can stand against the flesh and have victory. The second thing I learned is we need to have consistency in our convictions. Remember I said that Mordecai stood daily against Haman. It wasn't that one day he bowed and the next day he didn't bow. And then one day he bowed and the next day he didn't bow. But rather he had consistency in his conviction. A lot of people 
have convictions as long as it's convenient. Did you hear me? A lot of people have convictions as long as it's convenient. You're here on a Wednesday night in the middle of November. It's cold outside. I'm not questioning your commitment tonight. But we all know there are people that go to churches that they're going to come to church and they're going to give and they're going to be faithful as long as it's convenient. But you wait till something tries to prohibit that. We went through it in 20 when the governor was trying to shut our churches down and trying to prohibit people from gathering and worshiping. I'll tell you what it showed us. It showed us who was in it for convenience and who had convictions. And I know we was all shooting blind. I know none of us knew what we were doing. Next pandemic, I'm ready, okay? I got it figured out, all right? Smile, okay? <laughs> but I know we were all shooting blind trying to figure out. But I still know churches that have not went back to schedule. I still know people that are... And I understand... I'm going to tell you, folks, people get sick, and they've been getting sick longer than 2020. They started getting sick in the Garden of Eden when man sinned. Sickness is a part of life. I don't like it. Somebody said, well, you're going to get sick and die. Well, I mean, I'm going to die sometime. I'm not talking about going out and licking door handles, but I'm just telling you, you, you a lot of people, they want, to be, they want to be committed as long as it's convenient. But Mordecai teaches a lesson in our text it ain't always easy to stand, but it's always right to stand. Is it convenient for you to witness on your job now? But it might come to a day where they say, no, we don't want you witnessing anymore. I'm not talking about taking 30 minutes out of the work time to try to preach a sermon. I don't believe that's right. But when there's free time to have a conversation and people are talking about anything they want to, it's all right to speak for the Lord. Here's the third lesson I see, and I'm done. Remember when it seems like the enemy's prevailing... God has a plan. Boy, it looks like in this text that Haman and King Ahasuerus, they've got the Jew right in their hand. They've got him in the crosshairs. They're right in their hand. They're going to take him out. Boy, they did not realize. They thought they had the Jew in their hand. But in reality, God had the Jew in his hand. In fact, in Isaiah, he told Israel that you're engraving in my hand. And they thought we're going to wipe the Jews out. We're going to kill the Jews and destroy them. But what they couldn't see. There was a God. Working behind the scenes. Orchestrating things. And I know it looks tonight. Like the world has their crosshairs on the church. Trying to take the church out. Trying to do in believers. Putting wicked leaders in government. Bunch of crazy, bunch of craziness and foolishness going on like it's always been. But I'm telling you tonight, there is a God who is working behind the scenes. Even during the tribulation period, Brother Steve, they are still going to be shooting at that Jew, coming against that Jew. But God is working, and He's going to get all that crowd in the valley of Megiddo. And they're going to think at that time, we're finally going to get rid of the Jew. But at that time is when the heavens are going to open, and Jesus will come out riding that white horse, and He's going to defeat the nations and rule and reign for a thousand years. God ain't caught off guard by what's going on in, our, in this world. And can I bring it home? God is not caught off guard by what's going on in your life. 
Preacher, I don't see God working in my life. I don't see God working in this situation. I don't see how, how God can do anything out of this. I don't see God. Where's God at? Ain't no need to go looking for God. He ain't lost. Can't find God. Why are you looking for him? Nobody lost him. Job said, I looked here, and looked there, couldn't find it. Why are you looking for him, Job? Job figured out and said, but he knoweth the way that I take. And when he had tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I was reading last night, Agent Roger said, don't go looking for God, he ain't lost. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. Amen. Thank you for your attention tonight. I trust, I know it's a different study, but I trust God will use these truths to challenge our hearts. Amen. If anybody's interested in having a copy of the outline and the notes, it's just transcript format. If anybody's interested in that, please let me know, and I'll be glad to print some off. I, I think I've done chapter one, but I didn't do any last week or tonight. But if you want some, I can have those prepared on the Lord's Day, okay? Let's, uh, we'll, get, we'll have an altar of prayer tonight. I do want to mention a couple of prayer requests. Of course, we want to pray for little Ollie.